let's just be real this morning. Um, uh, it, it takes more faith to be an atheist than it does to believe in um, a, an intelligent designer or a creator. Uh, we know that. We know that the uh, eternal God is, uh, um, you know, created uh, all things. Uh, but the question is, in regard towards creation, what can we believe about uh, that? Uh, as uh, you may know, we are continuing our series entitled Under Oath, uh, looking at uh, apologetic issues, right, and, and ultimately how to defend our faith, uh, know and defend what we uh, believe. We get that from 1 Peter 3.15, that we're called uh, to be folks that are ready to give a hope uh, for uh, or give a defense for the hope that is within us. Uh, and so it's good to, to know truths, right, that we see in Scripture that we believe. But uh, even more than that, my hope and prayer is that we'd be folks that because we know these truths, right, we love people enough to share uh, those truths with uh, others. And so in regards toward creation, we uh, know and understand that there's an intelligent designer. There is a creator. Uh, but there are some questions that come up about the creation account in and of itself in Genesis 1 and 2 that I want to answer before we get to the main portion of uh, uh, our scripture today and, and our text. Uh, the first question that some folks bring up regarding the creation account is this. Uh, is the creation account in Genesis 1 and 2 just a uh, poem, if you will? Some folks believe that what we see here in the creation account is uh, is allegorical in nature, that it isn't really true that God didn't just speak and things came to being. Well, uh, it's hard to hold to that sort of truth, because when you start to do that, then you start to think, you know, where does the line stop in regards towards the word? Right. If we can't trust that God created all things, spoke things into being, we can't trust that that was a an actual thing that happened. Then can we trust in, in our salvation? Right. And, and what and Jesus coming down and down on cross or is that just allegorical as well? That's a very slippery slope to hold on to that uh, thought, right? We know this to be true, that the Bible is not a science book, but we know that the scriptures speak about science and in doing so we can trust in that uh, book. And so answering the first question, is the creation account just a poem? It's not. We can believe, right, that, uh, man, God really did speak and things came to be. Say, Pastor, man, that sounds pretty tough. Well, hey, the God that I serve, hey, he doesn't live in some kind of box, right? He's outside of my imagination. Our thought and thinking, man, he's able. He's able to do that. And so, man, that's the first question. Second question is this, whenever we speak on creation, right? Did God really create the earth in six literal days? You see that there in the creation account in Genesis chapter 1. Did he really create the earth? Some people think that uh, the word day in the original Hebrew, yom, can speak of hundreds, thousands, or even millions of years, right? Uh, It's just figurative language, right? It's not an actual 24-hour day. Well, my defense to that would be literally all throughout the rest of the Scripture, especially in the Old Testament, the word day is used literally to mean a 24-hour day. Matter of fact, the only time that you see day used figuratively is in the book of Psalms, which is poetic writing, right? Which is a different type of genre in and of itself. It, you know, David is writing, uh, you know, basically a personal journal to God saying, man, these enemies, man, I wish you'd strike them dead. You know, I wish, you know, he's, he's expressing emotion there. Uh, that's different than some of the other writings. And so with that being said, we can believe that, man, God literally created the earth in 24 hour days, six 24 hour days. We can hold on to that. 
Now, you know, holding on to that thought that it is 24, you know, li- you know, 24 literal hours, right? It's not a, um, you know, salvation issue. If you, be- you know, believe that it is, you know, that he didn't do that, then, you know, you're not going to heaven. But I would encourage you, man, to trust what the book says. It says day, one day. And so we can hold on to that. And our God is able to do that. And then the last question, you know, what, what does it mean whenever God says that it's all good, right? That what he created was good. Obviously, number one, he was showing himself off, Brother Mel. Man, he was showing off, right? But also what that means is, hey, we can trust in the design of God and how he created things. We can trust in the structure in which which he created things. Meaning this, hey, we can trust in the fact that the nuclear family, right, is is the right way to live. We can trust in the institution of marriage and, and the way God Brought it to be one man, one woman for one lifetime. We can trust in that because it was good. We can trust it. Here it is. We can trust in the fact that, man, hey, when God created us, he didn't make any kind of mistake. He didn't. And and so we we're who we are. Right. You know, with giftings and, and you know, made us man or woman. Right. And we can walk in that we can trust in man. God's structure because he said it is good. It's good. Speaking on creation, right? I highlighted, you know, the video highlighted it, but also highlighted some of these questions. Really what I want to focus on today is our days six and seven uh, in creation, right? Speaking to right, us as people uh, whom God created, the Imago Dei, right? To us being created in the image of God and what that means and what that speaks to and what that means for us today. And so if you've got a Bible, turn with me to Genesis chapter 1. We're going to be in verses 26 through chapter 2, verse 3. And we're going to read on uh, the creation account days 6 uh, and 7. If you're there, let me know that you're there by saying there. The verses will be on the screen if you don't have a copy of God's word with you. But uh, this is what the word of the Lord says says this, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth and every tree with seed and its fruit. You shall have them for food and to every beast of the earth and every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life. I have given every plant green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, 
the sixth day. And then chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, says this. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Entitled the message simply this, the Imago Day, us being made in the image of God. The word says that we are the crown jewel of God's creation. We're special, special. And so what does that mean for us bearing the image of God, why don't you pray with me? Lord, we love you. We thank you for today, Lord. We got asked that you would uh, continue to move. Lord, speak to us. Lord, hide me behind your cross, Lord, and, and you preach today. Lord, as we talk about the importance of understanding. God, the significance of being made in the image of you. God, I pray for those, Lord, that uh, may be struggling with value or worth as an individual. Lord, I pray you'd meet them here right now. I pray for those, Lord, that got to struggle to figure out their purpose in life. God, I pray that you'd meet them here. And God, we, we ask that you do what only you can do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. The Imago Dei, bearing the image of God. What, what does that mean as image bearers? We see that uh, human humankind, they're the only part of God's creation, right, that bear his image. Bears image. It's pretty neat. If you think about it, I mean, there's no other part of God's creation that bears the image of God but mankind, humankind. So what does that mean for us? That, that word Imago Dei, right, literally means likeness to God. And it speaks to this thought that mankind is unique among the creatures and that, right, we are uh, uh, like God in the sense that, man, we're called to, to rule and reign, have dominion, right? Uh, we're, uh, you know, women are able to, to procreate, right, to create here on earth. I mean, it speaks to, you know, speaks to all that. We're like him. We're not little gods, but we are like him in that regard. And ultimately, right, we're able to have true communion and fellowship with him. Able to have fellowship with God. And no other creation can speak to that. Man, it speaks to the fact that, man, we bear his image. And so with that, that has so many implications. So many that I could highlight here. But I want to highlight three based on what we see here in the text. Three implications of, right, the Imago Dei. Bearing his image that I hope that we would get to understand today. Because here's what happens. The enemy likes to come in and stink things up. Twist things and twist, you know, the way we think about ourselves and how we think about other people. And so we need to be reminded of what the word says and how God sees us. And so three implications of the Imago Day this morning. The first implication is this. We have intrinsic value. We have intrinsic value. Hey, as uh Part of, you know, as image bearers of God, we have intrinsic value. We have worth. We have worth. Think about that. God intentionally, right, d- designed us and gave us, man, the opportunity to bear his image. He made us, man, in the likeness of 
him. And so that means we are of worth. We see that the Lord God speaks to the crown, uh, to plan on how he to create mankind. Right. And speaks to the intentionality of that way, which, by the way, I throw this in free of charge. Right. That verse 26 is a great, uh, um, you know, it's a great proof for the Trinity. Right. Trinitarian doctrine says, let us make man in his image. Go ahead and just let you know that those of you who may be struggling with that. We'll talk about that later in this series. But I mean, that's a good uh, piece of uh, uh, proof there. But it speaks to the it, it spoke to the intentionality of God creating man us. And the value that we have. And so what does that mean for us today as his people? Man, it means this, that you're not a mistake. Hello, you're not a mistake. You're not. You're not an accident. You have worth and value as a human being. You're not a mistake. Hey, that person that you live around isn't a mistake. Hey, that person that you hate is not a mistake. All of us, right? Because, man, all humankind bear the image of God. Listen, we are of value to him. I love what Matt Chandler says relating, you know, speaking to uh, the thought of the Imago Dei here. He says it this way. All humankind is made equal in dignity, value, and worth. All humankind. We talk about it often here, all humankind, no matter where you come from, the color of your skin, background, hey, past mistakes, all humankind, man, has dignity and worth and are equal to him because we were created in the image of God. Let me give you a couple of verses here uh, to speak to this. I just read this first one, Psalm chapter 8, verse 3 through 5. Right speech to who we are as uh, people. I'll read it together. It's on the screen. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place. What is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. Right. Psalm 139, verse 13 and 14 says this for you form my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. And I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. All mankind, all humankind is valuable to the Lord. And so listen, don't don't listen to the lies that, hey, listen, that you're not enough. You may say, oh, man, that's just a teenager that thinks that. No, let's be real. Hey, some of us really struggle with that in here. Struggle with that. Listen, no, no, no. God determines our worth and value. And man, because we bear the Imago Dei, we are of worth. That's the first uh, truth that we see here, man, because, man, we are image bearers, man. We have intrinsic value. Second truth that we see uh, is this. Hey, because we're image Bears, right? We have intentional purpose. We have intentional purpose. Go, go back to the text here. Verse 26 speaks to us having value whenever God says, hey, let's make man in our own image. Speaks the intentionality uh, there. But look what he says after that. It says, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth. And over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Then verse 28 says, and God blessed them. And God said, hey, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over all the earth. Right. The Lord said, as he said here, after creating mankind, hey, he gave them purpose and direction. Right. And so for us being created in the image of God, man, we have been given an intentional purpose. 
man, to glorify him and to make him known. Perhaps probably some of the biggest questions you've ever heard of, and maybe you've asked some of them yourselves, yourself, is this. Hey, what's the meaning of life? What's the purpose of life? Why am I here? Right? Philosophers all throughout, man, you know, since time have asked those questions. One of the philosophers here, he he uh, quoted it saying this. The mystery of human existence lies not in just staying alive, but in finding something to live for. And all of us, right, search for what to live for, right, who we are and, and what we're called to be. Well, I've got good news for you, man. We have an answer. We do have something to live for. But yet we have someone to live for, Brother Tom. And that's the Lord, the one who created us, created us because we've been made in his image. Listen, we have intentional purpose. We do not just ex- we did not just exist, man, uh, on accident. Or we don't just exist just to simply float through life or coast through uh, life. Man, we have intentional purpose. And what that speaks to, just bringing it to today, 20, you know, 21st century time, what that speaks to for us is two things. Responsibility and calling. Responsibility and calling. Number one, responsibility. Hey, we've all been given responsibility. Number one, hey, we've been given responsibility for our post-fall, responsibility for our own soul. Hey, what are we going to do with the good news, right, of Jesus Christ and what he's done for us? Right, obviously, man, our, ourselves, we were marred with sin. You know, and that separated us from God. But the good news is Jesus made a way for us to be brought back to him. And so we have a responsibility, hey, to respond to the call of the gospel. He, 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 God, hey, God isn't going to just, you know, try and manipulate us into believing in him. We have a responsibility to respond. Have you responded today? We have a responsibility to respond to the gospel. But number two, we have a responsibility, right, to uh, care for those that are around us, hey, those in here, God has entrusted you with a family. And so you have a responsibility to care for them. Hey, there's purpose in that. Purpose in that. Those of you in here who may not have a family yet, you, you may be married. Hey, God has given you responsibility to care for your spouse. Care for, you know, your area of work and your influence there. Care for the people that are around you. Responsibility. Hey, and there's great value in that. It's not meaningless. It's not meaningless. There's purpose there. And so the call for us is to walk in that responsibility. But secondly, hey, we all have a calling as well. I, I remember, uh, you know, in uh, youth group, well, I think I was in college at the time. Uh, they were giving out shirts, the mission shirts, mission trip shirts. And, uh, and uh, the shirt had, you know, uh, called six times, uh, you know, printed on the shirt. And then on top, right, it said all, and it had called, labeled six times. And then each of the different A's that were there were in a different color, if you will, which spoke to this reality that, hey, all are called in the Christian life. We say that all the time, but I'll go ahead and remind you again. Hey, all of us men are called in the Christian life. You say, Pastor, I'm not a preacher. Hey, you know, I'm not a deacon. Hey, you're still called. God is, hey, God has given you ministry and influence. You're still called. Hey, you're still called to answer, you know, the, the greatest commandment that Jesus says in Matthew 22, to love God with all that you have and to love your neighbor as yourself. You're still called to do that. Hey, you're still called, man, to give hope. Still called to be an ambassador for him, as 2 Corinthians 5 says. You're still called. All of us are called. 
That, that, that's the general calling for every single Christian. And hey, listen, there is purpose in that. There's purpose in it. You've got the general calling, but also you've got a specific calling. Some of you in here, right, are trying to figure out, man, what, what's God ultimately calling for me to do? What, what, what am I supposed to do? I don't know, but God does. Hello. Hey, seek him. Hey, he'll give you direction on what to do. Direction on what to do. And so choose to follow him. We see God, right? Give man. Man, an intentional purpose. We have purpose. I love what Jeremiah 1.5 says regarding uh, the calling. It says this, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. And I appointed you. A prophet to the nations. Man, isn't that amazing? And by the way, hey, that's the same truth for us. That wasn't just Jeremiah he did that to, man. That's us as well. Man, we have a specific calling in our life. Amen. Amen, brother. Amen. Testify. Hey, if, hey y'all ain't going to testify, at least the baby will. Amen. That's good, man. I'm preaching. To, hey, brother, I'm preaching up here, but hey, but, hey we, we'll just preach on, brother. We'll preach on. Hey, the specific uh, calling, man, all of us, man, have a calling, a purpose uh, in our life. This last quote, and then we'll move on to our third point here. Rick Warren, what he says here, and this is important in understanding that you have purpose. I think a lot of times we forget this, but this is what it says. You were made by God and for God. And until you understand that life will never make sense. You were made by God and for God for a purpose. And understanding that, man, that's when you begin to see what your true purpose is all about. First point, the re, hey, the implication of the Imago Dei, number one, is us understanding that we have intrinsic value. Second point is, man, understanding that we've got an intentional purpose. All of us in here, right, ultimately to glorify God and make him known. And then thirdly and lastly, right, Implications of the Imago Day is understanding that we have an innate need for rest. Innate need for rest. If we're not careful, we can just simply skip skip skim over uh, the seventh day in creation, where it says God rested. Some of us, you know, we may be confused by it. I said, man, I, th- I thought God was everlasting, man, eternal. He didn't need any rest. You're right, he doesn't. Psalm 121 tells us that, hey, the God that we follow and serve neither sleeps nor slumbers. He doesn't, he doesn't need sleep, doesn't need rest. And so you may ask the question, why did he rest then? What's the purpose of that? Well, ultimately the purpose was to set an example for us about the value of Sabbath. The value of needing rest. Because here's the deal. Hey, we may be image bearers of God, but we're not God. We're not him. And so we can't just run this rat race of life and think that we're going to be all good, man, without choosing to rest. And in particular, in the context of what we see here, right, uh, uh, take a Sabbath. Sabbath. So you may ask, hey, what, what is Sabbath? What does that mean? Well, Sabbath is an intentional time set aside to re- rest, reflect, and refocus your heart on the Lord. We see that all throughout the New Testament, right? It was commanded, right, for the people of Israel to take a Sabbath. And and the purpose of that was, right, to rest, reflect, 
Man, and refocus their heart on God. Number one. Number two, right? It was men to trust that God was going to be able to provide for them when they chose not to work. But it was ultimately meant for them to refocus their hearts on Him. Here's the truth of the matter today. We're not able to fully fulfill the call of God in our life. Hey, we're not fully able, right, to walk out as image bearers of the Lord if we choose to neglect, man, the Sabbath. We choose not to exercise and practice the Sabbath. We're not self-sufficient. We're not all-powerful. And so what we need is rest. Look at what Exodus 20, verse 8 through 11 says, right there. One of the Ten Commandments, right, that the Lord gives. It's interesting. I heard this this week, right? It's interesting that the Sabbath principle the Lord gives to the people of Israel. He spoke this to Moses, right? It was hey, it was literally directly from the Lord. Moses met with him on the mountain, and it was directly from him on what the people of Israel and us today needed to follow. And this is what he says. It says this, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or your sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. And this last part's important. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath and made it. Holy. And so the call for us is to observe. it. Listen, I understand. Hey, I, I'm, I'm not saying that this is law, man. If you don't observe the Sabbath, then, man, you're, you're not going to heaven. I, I, I'm, I don't want to get legalistic. Don't hear me here. But the principle is oh so important for folks. Hey, for those of us that want to grow in him man, and follow, man. Hey, the principle is so important of observing the Sabbath. I know there's seasons of life where man times are busier than others. But looking to be intentional, man, to observe the Sabbath. That doesn't mean that you sleep in till noon and not do literally anything. No, no, that, that means, like I said, hey, waking up, man, instead of trying to work, man, at the house, hey, do something with your family. You know, spend time in the Word with your family. Hey, you know, spend time going with your family to the park. Spend time, hey, with, with your bride, man, and spend time with your husbands, those in here. And, man, reflect on the goodness of the Lord. Here's the truth today. Because we have been made by God and for God, our identity is in him. Hey, observing the Sabbath speaks to that. We're saying, man, our identity is in him so we can rest in you. Man, because we bear his image, our identity is in him. It's not in our job. It's not in our 401k, our personal ambitions, or even our health. It's in him. And man, us choosing to observe Sabbath. Whatever that looks like in our life, man, speaks to that reality. And so in close, I just want to give a couple, uh, uh, you know, applicational points this morning regarding uh, the Imago Dei. What does this mean for us based on what we see here in the Word? What's our response today? Right, number one, right, our first response in light of, man, being created in the image of God is to choose to value yourself and others the way God does. Value yourself and others, hey, the way that God does. Hey, this life is not about you. Hello? Let me say that one more time. Maybe maybe you missed it. Hey, your life is not about you. It's not. My life is not about me, man. Hey, it, it's about God and others. 
Another way you could say it is this. Hey, because God doesn't like narcissists, we shouldn't live like one. It's not about us. It's about, man, glorifying God and, man, serving others. And so, man, choose to value yourself. Hey, it's, it's very interesting how, how it works. And a lot of times, man, when we think, man, just simply about ourselves, is often the times, man, where we struggle the most, man, with who we are as an individual. If we think about ourselves selfishly. It's interesting, whenever you choose, man, to live outward and serve others, right, whenever you choose to stay close to the Lord, man, it's interesting how, man, the, the, how you view yourself shifts. It's interesting. And so the call for us is to do that. Galatians 2.20 says this, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for We've got to remember that our life, man, is about God and others. Secondly, second application point, what does that look like for us? Secondly, it looks like this. Hey, choose to remember his calling and purpose for your life. Remember, hey, God has a plan. He has a plan. That's not just some cliche saying. He's got a plan for you and your family. You're not just some accident from some evolutionary process. You're of worth. You're treasured and you are his. And man, he's got a plan and a calling for you. It may be fuzzy. You may be trying to figure it out right now. But hey, keep seeking his face. He'll direct you. He'll tell you, man, what that plan is. Jeremiah 20, 29, verse 10 and 11. Right. Uh, this in the context. Right. God is speaking to the people of Israel in exile. Right. For their sin. Right. And he's speaking to the reality of life after the exile, though they were in exile in a foreign land, right, as slaves, God didn't forget them. But he had a plan for them. Look what he says. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil to give you a future and oh man god has a plan hey remember that it's calling in his plan for your life remember that and then thirdly and lastly hey choose to n- not neglect the principle of rest but rather embrace it don't neglect the principle of rest choose to embrace it a lot of times when we struggle to rest Right. Obviously, I know there are some exceptions in seasons. You know, man, though, you know, those of you with young kids, man, hey, life could be crazy at times. I get it. But a lot of times, man, whenever we struggle to, to rest, to observe Sabbath, because we think there's so much to do, a lot, a lot of times it, it's because we have an identity issue. Our identity is in our stuff, what we can do. And instead of it being in the Lord. And choosing, man, to follow the principle of rest allows for us, man, to step back and say, all right, God, hey, you're in control, man. I'm going to let you lead for today. Listen, choose to seek and be ambitious, man, but don't do it at the expense of compromising your faith and convictions. Yes, work hard, but don't do it at the expense of the family that the Lord has given you to pour into And don't neglect the principle of rest. Choose to embrace it. In closing, I heard a story from uh, Rick Warren, the famous pastor in Los Angeles area, Orange County, California. 
um, who spoke to um, his ministry to those that were um, on their deathbed. And one thing he mentioned was the fact that every time that he met somebody at their deathbed, right, they didn't call Brother Dwayne for Brother Rick to bring all their diplomas that they received whenever they graduated. He didn't call for them to bring all of their uh, medals or, or trophies. Didn't call for them to walk outside and check out the cars that he that they had bought or all the estates that they had. Didn't call for any of that. He said almost every time, right, that person would ask for them to call their son or their daughter, call their family member that they were close to. And he said, because when you're at life's end in this life, you realize that life isn't all about the stuff. It's about relationships. Ultimately about your relationship with God, but also it's about relationships with other people. That's the beauty of right being image bearers. And so my hope and prayer for us would be that we would understand and that this life is not about ourselves. It's not. But because we have value and worth to the Lord, man, let's choose to glorify him by loving him with all of our heart and man choosing to love other people. And making the most of the time that we have.